You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, Episode 20. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rentschler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and I am happy to welcome you to our 20th show. It's a bit of a milestone, and we have many more to come. If you've been on this journey with me, I want to thank you for taking a part of the show, for listening and for providing feedback. I want to make a special thank you to those of you who have rated and reviewed the show on iTunes to hopefully increase our visibility and allow more people access to the show. If this is your first visit, I want to welcome you. We focus on providing strategies, tools, and resources for the coaching profession. And I have been pleasantly surprised and very happy to hear that the show provides helpful information to others who aren't coaches, but who are interested in the different topics that we're presenting. If you would like to know more about the show or access some shows that you haven't seen, particularly if this is your very first visit and you haven't heard any other shows, then check out our past episodes at starcoachshow.com. Just want you all to know how grateful I am for you and for you being a part of the show with me. Now, as professional coaches, we provide our services in many different ways to varied audiences, varied age groups, different venues. There's many different ways that we get out there to provide our services. We may offer life coaching or focus on creating healthy relationships. Perhaps our focus is working with entrepreneurs and small business owners, and maybe within that we focus on business building and creating profits. Perhaps our focus is in leadership development, working within organizations to build leaders' confidence and competence and communication. Maybe we're an executive coach and work with C-suite leaders to transform organizations. Within those different kinds of coaching, we might meet with our clients individually or do group or team coaching. Maybe we facilitate trainings and work off-site with our clients to create transformative change. The point is that there's many different ways that we as coaches partner with our clients in the pursuit of their goals and to help them create those transformative changes that improve aspects of their lives at home, at work, and all the places in between. One of the things that we have focused on in this show, in many of our different interviews, is that How we show up as a coach is very important. And when we're able to tap into our passions, whether it's the passion of what brought us into coaching or the different things in our lives that we're passionate about that we're able to weave into our coaching, whether it's the kinds of clients that we work with, the tools that we use, or the method of our coaching, however we tap into that passion, it is one way that we can show up at a greater level as a coach. Our guest today uses a unique coaching approach that blends many of her different passions 
and offers a unique learning opportunity for her coaching clients. Dr. Suzanne Maxwell, known as Max, combines her academic background and corporate work experience to service clients as an educator, a business consultant, and an executive coach. She blends her deep understanding of human and social behavior with knowledge gained through practical business experience working with individuals, teams, and organizations. Her clients benefit from her straightforward approach that is based on real-life pragmatic knowledge. After receiving her graduate certificate in executive and professional coaching from the University of Texas at Dallas, and then being certified as a professional certified coach or a PCC from the ICF, she discovered equine facilitated learning and coaching, which has helped her connect her passion for horses and riding with her coaching. Max received her PhD in sociology with a specialization in social psychology from Texas A&M University, and it was during her studies at A&M where she renewed her passion for horses and riding through hunter and jumper competition. So, as Max says, a horse is a horse, of course, unless the horse is your coaching partner. Equine facilitated coaching is a relatively new method of coaching that creates a rich learning environment for clients as they work to achieve transformative change and goals. Let's go to our interview with Dr. Suzanne Maxwell. So welcome, Dr. Suzanne Maxwell, who goes by Max, is joining us today to talk about equine-assisted learning, and really, it's doing some coaching with your wonderful horse, Tracker. Yes. So Max, thanks for joining the show. You are welcome. I'd like to start with what initially brought you into the world of coaching, and how long ago was that? Just basically, you know, what sort of attracted you to coaching to begin with? Well, I think basically, you know, I have my PhD in sociology and one of the things about sociology, you know, people always get confused between sociology and psychology. psychology, yes. Yeah. And I always go, you know, psychology is individual work and sociology is about how people come together in groups. Mm-hmm. So that's always been an interest to me. You know, how, how do these groups come together? You know, how, what is this family thing? What is this religion thing? So I've always been, you know, kind of curious about that. And when I went out of academics into consulting, I found myself just drawn to the area where we were always doing big projects as a consultant, but nobody was paying attention to the people. So I started really paying attention to the training and how to motivate people to accept change. And then I started doing training of consultants on how to work with people. So it was just this natural progression into what now is really coaching. I mean, that's really basically, you know, how I got into it. That's good stuff. When you started paying attention to the people, what changes did you see occurring? Yeah, well, number one, they were flabbergasted. What? You know, you care about us, especially in big technology projects. 
because they, you know, they were always, most consultants were technical. So they were stringing cans and wires. That's all they wanted to really worry about. And the people that were using the cans and wires were normally left out. So I started, you know, really working with them about how do you acknowledge the fact that we're going through change here? How do we send the vision to the people and get them to embody that vision so they actually can incorporate the change and make it happen? Because just having a vision is one thing, but actually getting it to work is quite another. So I think the people were very surprised and welcomed the attention. Good for you. Yeah. So what led you to this equine assisted learning, the equine assisted coaching, you know, tell me a little bit about what's involved in that. Well, just like all little girls, you know, we all wanted a pony. So when I was a kid, I rode and showed. And then when I was finishing up my doctorate, I got involved in hunter jumper riding and showed. And it just kind of, you know, made me realize how drawn I am to horses and nature in general. So an opportunity came up that um, actually a colleague had seen something on equine assisted coaching and they sent it to me and I went, oh, okay, I want to do that. Talk about matching passions, huh? Yeah, exactly. It was just very, it was like, wow, this really goes together well. So I enrolled in that particular training with my colleague and it was great. You know, it was it was hard because the instructor, it was more of a experiential learning for me, you okay. know, with the horses, you know, trying to figure out, okay, how does this work? The instructor was kind of working through some stuff. So we got a very good indoctrination into, you know, how feelings can be pulled out, you know, by horses. And then as I moved along, I took another year long workshop and that was really about riding. So Mm -hmm. the first one was, you know, everybody's on hoof. The second one, we had people on horseback so that I could extend what I was doing to people that actually might have had some trauma on horseback. I could actually do exercises with my clients on horseback. So that was really very interesting to do. So in extending my offering. And then now I'm looking at the core competencies around facilitating this work because everything else I took was more just dive in. So taking a step back to look at the theoretical underpinnings of it and, you know, like what it should be called, what am I doing? Um, And that's why I was saying the equine assisted learning, because some of it is equine facilitated coaching. Well, the horse is my partner Mm -hmm. and he's not really facilitating anything. I'm the facilitator, but he is in the environment creating an experience for the client. So what does having a horse and your client and you together, what does the whole experience facilitate? Well, you know, there's a couple things, you know, you craft what you're going to do with the person based on what they want out of the experience. So normally I start off with, you know, is there an issue you've been dealing with? Is there something you want to work on? And then, you know, they go in to work with the horse. And the one thing that I found, and I'm going to refer to to a part here, is that, you know, human beings are very attracted to nature. And most humans, you know, you put a horse somewhere around them and they're like, oh, 
you know, it just draws them in. So they automatically almost want to have this relationship with a horse. So you look at, okay, we've got this, it's called biophilia. And it is really, you know, a proven concept about genetically, we want to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy, you know, it's like the third rung up there. And then you look at experiential learning, which is all about having the individual incorporate exercises to learn. And then you throw the horse in there. And the thing that's important about the horses is we have a unique relationship with horses because horses are prey animals. You know, they're big, but they normally are eaten in the wild by, you know, wolves or tigers and lions and bears. Oh my. Yeah. Oh my. Mm -hmm. And humans are actually predators. I mean, that's what we are. And so for us to have domesticated the horses and have a prey animal depend on a predator is a very unique relationship in kind of the by ecology or biology of the world. So what triggers the interaction when you put a horse with a human is the horse is like, okay, are you safe? I know Mm -hmm. I have this human over here that's safe, but now I want to figure out if you're safe. So the human being in that situation has to go through the entire sequence of developing a connection, developing trust with the horse before the horse will even interact with them. And again, horses don't have words. Right. Which is fantastic because that eliminates that whole blah, 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 blah. And as a facilitator, you almost have to work to eliminate that too. I remember when I first started doing the work, I would say, I think, I think, and then finally I went, no, 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 no. Don't keep drawing them up to Back to the brain. Yeah. Right. So I'd be, well, what are you feeling? You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, really getting people back into their bodies. So once you start developing this connection with the horse, then everything just becomes an experience that the person can interpret. That's, and that's the basis of experiential learning. There is experiential teaching, but that's really not looking at how the individual, you know, takes on, okay, what's going on here? What have I learned from this? You know, how do I find meaning in that relationship? And that's what's important. It's how did my client interact with the horse and what meaning do they take from it? Not what outcome did I want from it, which is very important in coaching too. You know, don't get caught up in an outcome. Let the, you know, the client kind of come to their own conclusions about what's gone on. Which might be a good segue into me sharing my experience when I worked with you and in the arena, you invited me to come have the experience when you first went through training. And I was going through something at the time and trying to determine whether to leave my privately owned business, my own business, and consider working with someone else on some giving up being self-employed, which I've been for over 30 years, and considering possibly working for someone else. And realizing while I was in the arena, I was in the The round pen, the round pen with just me and the horse and you were on the outside of the pen. And I was very much caught up in what did I think other people wanted me to do? What maybe kind of trying to, I was very much in my head. Mm -hmm. And at one point, the horse was completely ignoring me, had gone off to eat in another, had its back to me, had just basically 
whatever. He had walked away from me and was ignoring me. At the time that I left my head and got into my gut, got into my feelings about what was right for me, the fact that I had no desire to work for someone else, that I'd worked too hard to establish what I had to offer and was actually growing into some areas of other things to offer that felt very right. And it felt so wrong to even consider this offer at the moment. And at that time, I was so into my feelings and into what I was experiencing. I had kind of forgotten that I was in a pen with a horse. (laughs) The horse had picked up its head when and sort of alerted, I think, to my feelings, alerted to the fact that I finally had centered into what was right for me. And he trotted over and bumped me with his nose, kind of surprised me that he was there. It was like, you finally got it, Meg. There you are. You're where you need to be. It was an incredibly powerful experience for me. Great. Yeah. And what that really demonstrates is once we get congruent, you know, with our true feelings, the horse goes, oh, 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 you are here. Um, yeah. So you're, we, I have somebody here in the, here with me and yeah. I'm going to come say hello. Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole study done by the Institute of Heart Math that really looks at, oh, okay. So my presence, my energy, how does that impact people? But it also impacts the horse. So the nice thing about using a horse, again, they don't have a language. So they're going to be honest and true in the way that they react to you. You know, I I shared with you the fact that I had given up a very large client of mine. And it was a very scary experience. And very courageous and scary. Yeah. Thank you. And I went out to visit Tracker and just kind of drink, you know, to see if I could get myself grounded. And I was just leading him around the property and we were going, we had like a teeter totter and a bridge he could go over. And there was like an elephant stand that the elephants would get up on and everything. He knows how to do all of this. And so every time I would come up to, you know, an obstacle or a toy, I would go, come on, go over it. And he would look at me like, "Mm, no, you go first. And so I led him over the bridge and I led him over the teeter-totter and even the little elephant stand, I had to get on it first. And then he just went, oh, okay. And he got up on it. And afterwards I sat down and I thought, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still the leader. I still have power, you know, and he was like, yep. And then he went right back to grazing. So, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, you've got it now. We've helped you get centered again. And that's what it was for me. It was very much a centering feeling Mm -hmm. when, when I was acknowledged by him and sounds like you were very much needing to kind of get regrounded and recentered. Right. Right. And I think that's what happens with people when they're doing this work. It is very hard. You know, the first part of it is easy. You know, we've got this natural genetic thing that makes us connect to nature. You know, there is experiential learning and teaching that's already been researched, uh, you know, and well documented. And then you get to why horses and people go, huh? what? You know, and now people are really starting to ground that into theory. Here's why it works. You know, horses are prey animal. They're going to pay attention to you and go, are you safe for me to be around? You know, are you congruent 
with your behavior. And when you look at taking it from an individual perspective, you know, we both had, you know, mine was an emotional decision I'd already made. You were making a decision. And then you look at skill development. So you look at executives that might not be as skillful or emotionally intelligent as, you know, what they could be. Well, you put them with a horse and ask them, you know, let's try to move the horse. Well, the horse is going, you're no leader. You know, you're not congruent. You haven't built a relationship with me. You haven't made me trust you. So all of a sudden, from a leadership perspective, you know, you can move from an individual emotional point of view to here's a leadership skill you need to develop. How do I develop trust, you know, with a horse? And then you can translate that. You easily can take it. Oh, I had to move slowly. I had to ground my energy. I had to pay attention to this other being who could not communicate, you know, with me. And and then translate that into leadership skills. Exactly. Yeah. And you That's can do it with neat. teams. You know, what one, kinds of things happen with teams? Well, one experience that I, I did not have this experience, but I had seen it from one of my equine assistant learning colleagues, they actually had a team and the team was really having troubles with their leader. Now, the leader, of course, interpreted it as it was a team dysfunction. So they, when the leader went in by himself and was told to lead the horse. So he just, you know, went in and grabbed hold of the bridle and, you know, was pulling. And for the those horse. of you who haven't been around a horse, you can't lead a horse who doesn't want to be led. That's right. Yes. And he was like, you know, because there was no relationship. You know, he had not even gone in and introduced himself to the horse and just... He just went know, in to take charge, huh? Yeah, very, very dominant. And so when he came out, he goes, well, that didn't that didn't work really well. That, you know, and his team was going, yeah, that's the problem. So they started giving him feedback on, it would be nicer for us if you would connect with us, build a relationship with us, explain to us why you're doing things instead of just demanding, you know, command control. So he was a command control kind of guy. And so the facilitator worked with him and said, well, okay, let me give you some ideas on how you can connect with the horse. So, you know, he went in, approached the horse properly, introduced himself to the horse, took some time, you know, building a relationship with the horse. Well, when he went to, you know, lead the horse, he didn't have to lead the horse. The horse followed him. And he turned around and went, oh, I see how this works. So it is a great way to have an impact in a short amount of time with somebody. Also, I've done team experience, which I was involved in, where we had like 45 seconds, you know, to, we had to figure out, okay, how do you get the horse down this lane over a jump and touch his nose to a bucket? It was 45 seconds. Yeah. That that was our planning period. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. And it was like, okay. So we got, and we could talk. So we got together. Well, then when you were doing the exercise, you couldn't talk and it went very badly. (laughs) It was like going, so then we could sit back and then we only had 30 seconds to plan the second time, but we had an experience. Okay. You know, so it was like, oh, okay, well maybe we need to do this differently and that differently. And so we got the horse down the lane over the jump, but everybody celebrated before the horse touched his nose to the bucket. So the final step 
was not clearly understood by everybody. So it was just another demonstration of, oh, you know, we all need to know what the final outcome is also. So again, it's fun and entertaining, but it has great meaning when you sit back and go, okay, let's talk about how that experience unfolded for you. Well, and I would think much of the value that comes from this experiential learning is in that debrief afterwards or in in really kind of hashing out what happened and what did we learn and how can we apply that to our work situation or our life situation or our family situation, whatever it is that's being addressed. Absolutely. And I think that's where the good, strong competencies of coaching come in because, you know, we know how to ask powerful questions. You know, we know how to, you know, have rapport with the client and really set up a safe environment that they can talk in, um, which a little bit dicey with a group. But if you have a conversation ahead of time, you know, this is going to be an honest environment. This why we're here is to really talk authentically about what's going on. And then they go, oh, okay. And somebody will be the truth teller. You know, you can always guarantee that. But I think the coaching questions, you know, Mm -hmm. being able to really ask powerful questions and keep it out of the head. That's Mm -hmm. the hardest thing, you know? So, well, what did you think about that? It's like, well, how did you feel about that? What feelings came up? Where were they in your body? Because that's the one thing that if you learn to kind of trust your body in general, most Mm -hmm. of us have thrown that way off, Mm -hmm. that you'll get feedback that is really important to you when you're developing relationships or trying to make decisions. And I can look back on relationships that have gone poorly, and I can almost guarantee you I knew immediately. And that's not, you know, you get that feeling somewhere within your body. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing we really want to bring to people's attention. You know, I felt it here in the throat or in the chest or in the, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you look at neuro-linguistic programming, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, some of that will be, you know, where, where are you feeling that? What's that telling you? And so I think this just takes in a lot of what we already know as coaches and you can use it, you know, very powerfully with a client, especially if somebody's not getting it. Right. You're like, mm, gee, let's go try this. And even supporting what you're doing from a coaching perspective. And one of the dynamics that is sort of built in with working with a horse is that as a facilitator, you have to do sort of a safety, safety when it comes safety to being around the horse, which naturally leads into talking about the safe environment to be able to talk about these things and and establish that. But having, it's an interesting dichotomy in that you're talking about both of those things. And and it almost brings it more to the forefront because you're talking about physical safety and then the emotional safety of it as well. Exactly. And when you bring both of those into the, into play with your coaching, you know, now you've got vulnerability Mm -hmm. going on, you know, and once, and you put somebody in with a 1200 pound horse and my horse is very nice. You know that. He's a very nice horse. He's a very good boy. And he's very interested in this work, which I find fascinating. And he'll come hang his head over the fence when I'm doing a pre-conversation with a client going, well, okay, okay, I got it. I know, yeah. I know what I have to do. But still, you know, having an animal that large, it just really makes you feel vulnerable. And it does open up your kind of neuro pathways to something mm-hmm. a little bit different than if you're sitting in an office with a coach, uh, unless the coach weighs 1,100 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Could happen. 
<laughs> whatever. Yeah. And I will tell you that it actually, when a large animal completely ignores you and no matter what you do, they seem disinterested in you. It hurt. I mean, it was talk about feeling vulnerable. Yeah. You can feel very rejected and, and kind of deal with some of those things. And then when you're acknowledged by mm-hmm. the horse and, and he almost, you know, wants to engage you, it's like, oh, it feels so right. It feels yeah. so accepting. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's the, that's the power. You know, it's like, whoa, I had another client that was Asian, lived in an Asian family. Her parents were here. He was there. You know, everybody was everywhere she lived outside of work was Asian. And she worked for a large accounting firm, not Asian. So the culture was so different. And she was a trainer. So she go in and she, you know, try to get people's attention. And so we were working with Tracker and it was use this carrot stick that we had, which is like a a whip, long whip with a string on it, but you would never hit the horse with it. And, you know, we got her to use that as an extension of her. And she hit the ground with it because he was ignoring her. You know, she hit the ground and then, you know, she finally really whacked the ground and he went, oh, you're serious. And she said the next time she taught, she scored the highest of anybody's ever scored on instructing. And a couple of people came up and said, what has happened to you? You know, and she said now she was like, well, I had this experience with a horse. And she just imagines that every time she's kind of owning her space and taking her power and and um, moving, you know, I'm moving this energy in the room. And that was really a great takeaway for her. So that's a powerful story. Yeah, it is. And it's, and they're all so different, you know, and you can't predict what's going to happen. You know, it's like one client came out and she ended up hugging tracker and he just stood there. He never moved. And she started crying and she said, I've now realized I have not had a close relationship in a very long time. And this feels very good. Really powerful. Yeah, you want to cry. Yeah, yeah. No crying, no crying. Well, Well, and and how long might it take to get there in in a different way, you know, without Tracker being Mm -hmm. able to have her connection with him? Well, the minute we introduce language... You know, we are so good at dodging things. Yeah. Well, it's the, I'm very busy, you know, well, I'm very this, I'm very that, you know, and the minute you take language out and you just let it be energetic, it's very powerful. Wow. That is really good stuff. I want to thank you for taking the time to share some of those stories, to share what your experience has been working with your clients in the equine assisted learning process and facilitating that and getting the audience maybe a different perspective of a way that we as coaches can use those competencies, can use our powerful questioning and our active listening and our coaching presence, Mm -hmm. but kind of share that with a partner that is four-legged and very large and allow the clients to explore in a different way. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is to even work with a coach and their client and facilitate this activity. You know, all of a sudden the coach can go, wow, that was different. But that's an interesting thing. So that's something that you do as well. You yeah. you might work with a coach and their client as the facilitator with Tracker and help things go to a different level. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not just me one-on-one with a client. It could be, you know, a coach with a client or a team 
you know, let's go see how this shakes things up a little bit. And it will. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. Thanks for joining the show. Oh, well, thank you. Bye. Bye. It always fascinates me to hear about how coaches are using their unique approaches to help their clients make transformative changes. And I want to thank Max for joining the show today and sharing her unique perspective and approach with her clients as she's added equine learning to her coaching business. If you'd like to know more about Dr. Suzanne Maxwell or about our show, visit us at starcoachshow.com. And our resource page offers many different resources from the shows and what our guests have talked about. In addition, while you're on the site, visit the contact page and sign up for our ongoing book giveaway. We just gave away Do It Right, the new book of business etiquette by Valerie Sokolowski, who was our guest in episode two. And now we have Turbocharge, How to Transform Your Business as a Heartrepreneur by Terry Levine, who was our guest in episodes 15 and 17, as she talked about creating transformative change with our clients and building a seven-figure business. You're not going to want to miss an opportunity to win that book. So go to our contact page and sign up for the book giveaway. Gosh, I hope that you have a fabulous week moving forward, that you think about your passions and how you want to create your unique value proposition for your clients. This is your host, Meg Rentschler, wishing you the very best for your coaching success. We'll see you next week.